0: Well, so welcome to episode number three of the Petter Hughes podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Tyler Saunders, who is a hugely inspirational character, not just because of his strong mentality and drive, but because despite the fact that he was born with one leg, he's managed to do things like become a personal trainer and build a successful business and do other things like go on the show Ninja Warrior. I think you'll really, really enjoy this one. And if you do, make sure to leave a review, subscribe to the podcast and share it on your story. Enjoy. Alright, so, Tyler Saunders, how are you, man?
1: Mate, I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for having me on. How are you?
0: Thanks very much coming on. I really appreciate the time, man.
1: Yeah, no, problem, man. Anything, anything for you, man.
0: So, firstly, for anyone that's listening to this, doesn't maybe know who you are, who are you? I want to introduce you a wee bit in the forward, but just, just about a minute or so, who are you? Who is Tyler Saunders?
1: Hey, guys, um, I'm Tyler Saunders. I am a personal and online trainer. Uh, father of two. Um, wheelchair basketball athlete. And... Essentially, a man on a mission of betterment and personal development, self development, and trying to leave an impact in the world, however small or large it may be. Isn't that?
0: So, uh, something I've done in the last few podcasts is uh, just like a wee bit of icebreaker, you know, get people to know your sense of humor and stuff. Uh, You're only after telling me this, but what's, what's a good, embarrassing story about yourself?
1: An um, embarrassing story. Um, so I played wheelchair basketball semi-professionally in Germany um, back in 2012. And we had a great bunch of guys. You know, we had a Canadian, an American, Australian, Brazilian guy. So we all kind of enjoyed a drink and going out and socializing. It was a big part of the team kind of ethic and morale. Um, but one particular night, got steaming drunk. Like we were early on the tequilas and and the the bombs, etc. And coming into the night when the pub finished, when the karaoke night closed literally just like steaming drunk, went to get a cab. And so I've I've got one leg. We're going to probably get onto that shortly. <laughs> my waist is pretty small and I don't know if drinking, I just lost some centimeters, some inches, but my pants literally fell down at the taxi rank in front of all these people. But I'm too drunk to bend down to pick them up. So my teammate who's in his chair tried to help me. He's got the shittest core function going. So he's falling out of his chair. We both landed in a heap on the floor. Everyone's laughing, but kind of semi-concerned as well. So yeah, it was literally like, it was not a good look that day. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it doesn't happen often. I don't get drunk a lot, but when I was there, we, yeah, we drunk, I've probably drunk about 10 years off my life. So that kind of happened. It was a, a, a frequent occurrence over there, but yeah, one of my funniest stories, not
0: that. Well, you you sort of mentioned there about your leg and stuff. Uh, obviously, like a lot of people aren't going to know. I don't even actually know. What, what, what happened there Were you?
1: No, I was born born with just the one. Um, just a random burst defect. Um, I've always had it. So from my earliest memory, I've had to wear a prosthetic leg. Um, just as I got a bit older and a bit more comfortable in myself, I stopped wearing it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's been about... Do I stopped like 2003, so it's been a quite a long time I've been without it almost the same amount of time I've worn it. I have been without it, um, but it's only since you know getting into the, the fitness industry that I've kind of pushed the limits a bit and kind of pushed the boundaries of what I thought has been capable. But it, you know, people kind of assume I was in the military or I've had you know an accident or an operation, yeah. but it wasn't even anything um, that <coughs> you've life, like, shit, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's that, who's it <laughs> um, Yeah, so it wasn't anything, you know, tragic or, or dramatic. It was just born with one leg and I've just had, you know, kind of adversity since day one. Um, Isn't that? Kind of been able to overcome it and find my own my own lane and journey.
0: I was just about to ask, I see, like, obviously, like, I, I've seen way you train and stuff now, like, you're an absolute athlete. Like, was that always the case when you were younger and stuff, like, even, even with that?
1: No. Um... So I used to enjoy like playing football, obviously, you know, living in the UK, living in Great Britain, so football's a big sport. Um, again, enjoyed it, but just with my limited mobility, like I wasn't really that good on the pitch, so I was always in goal. Which, as a, you know, that's the, the worst position, really, on the whole pitch. <laughs> yeah. Depending on who you ask, but you know, you want to be the striker, you want to be centre mid, you want to be on the wings attacking all the kind of good positions. So when you're in goal, it doesn't do much for your self-esteem. Saying that I was actually a decent goalkeeper, but I enjoyed, you know, being active. I enjoyed, you know, PE, but I had a glaring physical impairment, which, you know, limited me in in lots of different ways. Um, So, you know, it did kind of play on me a little bit, not to the point I was like, you know, down in myself, but I was always aware of my limitations as it were but you know I was included in everything I was able I was given the opportunity to partake in whatever sports I wanted to um and I would do it at my own pace a little bit adapted but I'd always give it a go so sports I'd say it wasn't a big part of my life and I wasn't like an athletic or sporty child but I did I did enjoy taking part in them and it's only later on when I got to like 26 that I found wheelchair basketball. So it's quite a long gap that I didn't actually do any sports.
0: And when you were younger, you had the prosthetic leg, you were saying like while you were playing football and stuff, like how did you, how did you find actually, I've always been curious about that, like how does a prosthetic limb feel when you actually have it?
1: Um, it wasn't, I mean, it, like you're playing on the playground and on the field and you know, it wasn't like anything massively structured, but I'd always just be a little bit, unsteady. And if I was on my left leg, you know, I was fine, but I couldn't kick with the right. If I wanted to kick, I'd have to kind of balance on the right leg, which could sometimes give out at any time. So I wasn't the most like dexterous with, you know, footwork and stuff. And if anything, I was just like a one-touch type to oh, no, no, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> You've been doing this all day, literally just piping up and interrupting conversations. Um, so I was kind of like a one-touch player. I couldn't really, you know, Take the ball for any long durations because you know, I just get yeah. tackled. So, you know, I always knew my limitations there, so I you know, was just kind of happy a setting goal and do some like spectacular dives here and there. But yeah, I, I did enjoy taking part in activities. I what
0: think. about so when you were younger, then obviously, like you said, like you, say, like you, you thought of it was some sort of limitation, but like you don't see that in you at all now. You know, it's not is that holding you back or anything? When you were younger, what, what were you like in terms of like ambition and stuff with it, or was it? Do you feel it was ever
1: holding you back at all? As a child, I would always... So I I mentioned I wore a prosthetic leg for the majority of my younger years. Mm. Um, And it was more a case of kind of fitting in and not standing out. So I didn't want to be noticed. I didn't want to, like, kind of, yeah, stand out, essentially. Kind of do it to fit in for more vanity purposes. And it, like I said, like it did play on self-esteem a little bit, but... It wasn't that I was ever excluded or, you know, bullied per se. It wasn't like a a massive kind of detrimental hindrance to my life, but I was always aware of my limitations, essentially, my capabilities. And that, you know, affected some decisions I made and kind of how I conducted myself. But it was who I was. And, you know, everyone kind of welcomed me and embraced me. I had a good group of friends. um, Relatively, you you know, good upbringing, you know, to parents that loved me and always supported me so that that was a, a massive point yeah, yeah so what about cool. in terms of career then what, what made you want to become a personal trainer or get into fitness at all when did you sort of get onto that scene um that was almost i kind of almost stumbled into personal training so right. like i said i got into wheelchair basketball in 2006 and i found a local club to where i was working um, kind of got I got into the GB pathway as well in two thousand and eight after the Beijing after the Beijing Paralympics, so that kind of pushed me into a slightly higher level of training because before yeah. it was all for it was just for enjoyment and just for a bit of kind of socializing and activity. So upon doing that, then it kind of put me into a bit more of a space where I've, I've had to, you know, I have got to push myself a little bit more. But even then, I still wasn't serious about. You know the gym and my nutrition was like sketchy at best. Like I just left uni, so I was you know the diet was horrendous at the time, and I kind of carried on those dietary habits after I graduated. But I qualified for my PT course in 2015 once I'd done the stint in Germany because I'd left to go to Germany essentially because that's it's a much stronger league than the German than the British league, Mm. and all the top guys in the British squad were playing in Germany or Italy or Spain. So I you know followed suit wanted to be in stronger company to, you know, improve my game, to level myself up. Yep. But after doing those three years and kind of living that life, I came back and I was like, I can't work in an office again. So I then just kind of looked around. I did my level two and then progressed on to level three. And then, yeah, just got thrust into a gym environment straight after. And it's kind of just been learning on the job. But it's been very rewarding. You know, I've enjoyed every minute of it. As tough as it can be, like you clearly know. <laughs> the struggles of the job, but when you do make an impact in someone's life and change them for the better, and you know, they're a completely different person, then yeah, it kind of makes makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, it's like very them. Mm. What did you do before then?
0: What were you doing like an office job?
1: Yeah, I was working in admin. So I left uni, didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Um, kind of just graduated and just, just did office jobs here and there. So I worked for a housing association. Initially that was, you know, just paying the bills. But you know, kind of when you're sat in an office, it's it's not the most fulfilling of jobs. I then went on to work for a a disability charity, which was a little bit more fulfilling, just because of the kind of the the,
0: personal and stuff
1: like. Yeah, like the it was um, a company called Scope, which you see like shops on the high street and stuff, and you know they've got a good message and a good kind of mission statement. So you felt that what you were doing was a little bit more meaningful, Mm -hmm. but it was still being sat in front of a computer for eight hours of the day and you know my diet still was pretty crap and my movement was low. I was doing basketball twice a week so I thought I was really active and I was doing ticking off my activity for the week. Yeah. But really and truly my lifestyle still wasn't where it should be and you know I wasn't living the best life I could. I mean you have one of the people who were still in good shape anyway, even though you were like eating shit and stuff. Yeah, like I wasn't in definitely wasn't in as good Nick now. But in my head. <laughs> yeah, I guess I've got some of those like lucky genetics where I've I wasn't in great shape, but I wasn't like
0: like
1: yeah, yeah, like I was a little bit fluffier and like not you know, no definition, but in my head I was like, yeah, I'm in decent nick and it's only when you kind of clean a diet up and train you see what you're yeah, kind of getting. Yeah, so it's only after after Germany the opportunity came to go abroad and I've just yeah jumped the, the admin job ship and went and moved to another country and yeah it was a, a great experience learned a lot met some you know great friends who i'm still in touch with now and essentially that kind of put me onto the path of personal training and yeah here i am now amazing we are, yeah.
0: i'm actually trying to see in terms of your own training like how do you center that around like obviously obviously the fact that you have like one leg how do you center it around that um in terms I, of like even like deadlifting and stuff like i can see you doing that and it's, it's just it's, it's so mad to see it, you know what I mean? Because like, it, it
1: doesn't even look unstable. It just looks so... Yeah, that said that came after, again, having fears and concerns of if I'd be able to do it. I started off with, with dumbbells just because the bar isn't in the front of the body. I was able to kind of bring the dumbbells more to my kind of centre of gravity. So I remember starting off with like two 18s and that was like the hardest thing ever when I started. And then when I got into the gym, I started working at... Um, at my current gym well, when it opens but I then started to toy with the, with the barbell and you know the first few times I was shaky as hell like I was you know shuffling all over the place you know the the technique wasn't clean but with repetition you know repetition all skill you just keep trying keep trying and there was one particular year I think the start of 2018 I set the challenge of deadlifting 100 and I just you know kind of set a training plan in motion and just kept gradually progressing the weights and lifting a bit more and yeah it just as you get conditioned like the balance started to get better the, the reps started to look cleaner and yeah I hit 102.5 that once I've not been back there oh, since <laughs> but yeah it was, um, it was just something I set my mind on and worked gradually towards it but in terms of training it was almost a sense of being in the gym environment and having all the equipment around and you know taking classes and Basically, being thrust into a position—not authority—but you're kind of in the limelight as a trainer. You kind of have to be personable and and mm-hmm. out there and, and interactive. And I started to just try different things. And you know, I was big into calisthenics before I started PT, and so that was something that kind of helped me build a, a decent amount of core strength. But I'll adapt whatever I kind of have to. I mean, there's not much I can't do. But if I have to, then adapt it to suit my needs. And then whilst everyone else is doing something else, then then so be it. And I've kind of learned to not be so afraid of challenges, essentially. yeah. The challenges I've kind of faced in the gym is, you know, it helps you to build resilience for challenges that you'll face outside. And I've definitely become more resilient in my years as a trainer and just being exposed to living a healthier life. Because in the past, I was, you know, very reserved and, apprehensive just again my situation my leg my abilities used to stop me from doing things or hold me back but it's all in the mind.
0: What stage do you think you hit that mindset Jeff so obviously like you're saying so when you were a child and stuff like you didn't want to stand out you're seeing as more of a hindrance but now now I can imagine you see it as like a positive thing if anything like it's it's setting you apart so much and you're, you're doing all these things despite that do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah I didn't ever think it would be that case um, even up until qualifying for a PT and starting my job, there was a part of me that thought, right, right, I'm going to have to go and start wearing my leg again just because I'll fit in and I'll be able to offer my services to my clients better. So in my head, I thought, you know, spotting the client on like the bench press, for example, yeah, okay. am, I, am I going to be able to do that on the one leg? Like, am I, I'm going to need both legs to be able to be, you know, sturdy and balanced. then go through with it. And I'm glad because I've not needed it at all and like you rightly said it's almost worked in my favor where people are seeing you know the guy with one leg who's training he's getting about and you know looking after myself living a healthy life and it's almost been the case of you know if he can do it then so can i and that almost became my ethos and like my kind of mantra from because so many people said it to me i was like well i guess so like if you take inspiration and motivation from the way I'm living my life. And I'm not a person who likes to be the center of attention. I've just kind of got on with life and lived it the best way I can. Yeah. But yeah, people have found inspiration, motivation from it. And now I'm like, you know, the one-legged guy that does crazy stuff kind of thing. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's definitely worked in my favor in the sense of, you know, not letting physical limitations or whatever kind of limitations hold you back from essentially doing what you want to do.
0: Yeah, and I was actually going to say yeah, that, yeah, I think it's your bio, where it used to be your bio, know. it was like one leg, zero excuses.
1: Yeah, I've, yeah, I changed that recently. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of, I get on with my life, I set myself goals, set myself challenges, and do my best to hit them. And you know, excuses, we're all great at making excuses, you know, the, the, the mind will come up with ways of justifying your excuses. And I've made tons in the past, like, you know, I'm, I'm not an absolute zero excuse making machine now, I might still have that kind of time where I might talk myself out something or, or attempt to, but at the end of the day, no one really cares about excuses, you know, you just got to get it done whatever way possible, and that's what I'm trying to do now. And what do you think in terms of like the
0: way you come into the industry, like you said, like coming from like an athletic background and obviously, uh, you know, with a leg and stuff, like how do you think that set you apart from the whole, like in terms of literally standing out? Like obviously you would have used to seeing that standing out as a bad thing, but now you were saying you're recognised as that, that's like your thing.
1: Yeah, it's um, almost like a weakness that turned into a strength essentially. And like deep down, I still shy away from like being in the limelight sometimes. Like, I'll you know, I've, I've been to various events and, you know, I'll, I'll take part in competitions and stuff. But whenever I get kind of compliments or anything, like, oh, you know, mate, that's awesome and inspiring. And like, I, I still don't take it well. Like, I'll always try and deflect it or, I, you know, I, I won't kind of gloat in my own accomplishments, as it were. And that, I think that's just an old habit from being a kid who didn't want to be noticed or stand out, just wanted to blend in. But again in you know in this day and age especially in you know and social media helps massively like you get to see people bettering themselves despite their situation and yeah. I think p- people just generally resonate with the way I, I live my life and the kind of mindset that I've got and oh pardon my mum ring <laughs> can't speak <laughs> now. can't speak you will know, ring her back. Um so yeah definitely now a standout kind of thing I've I've learn to be more comfortable with it just because I, I don't have a choice. Like I'm, I'm gonna stand out any which way, it, you know, wherever I go. And even just in day-to-day life, you know, you rarely see a guy with one leg on crutches just walking down the street, you know. And yeah, I mean, and, and, and disability is more visible now, like you're seeing people in, you know, wheelchairs and people are kind of embracing and celebrating their individual uniqueness, which is, which is awesome. Um, but yeah it's taken me a little while to kind of shift from the no I don't want to be seen to like okay but I'm here this is who I am and
0: and that's something I want to talk to you about so we've been talking about like you in the fitness industry and how that's held you back so I was listening to I was actually listening to a podcast with you on it and you were talking about like in terms of actual insecurity like people staring at you people you know you can tell what people are thinking it and stuff like how do you how do you cope with that because I'm sure everyone everyone has their own insecurities you know the people staring at them and stuff how do you get over that sort of initial
1: thought Um, So when I first started to not wear the leg, that was probably the most nerve wracking part of the transition. Just because I was used to wearing the leg and blending and then now I'm like obviously not blending in. Um, But after a while I kind of just had the blinkers on and just kind of ignored it. Like I'll just walk around and do my thing. And it was almost interesting to see the shift in people's perception where before I was, you know, just a regular guy with like a limp, but I was normal looking. Yeah, People act a certain way, but then when I was on crutches people would, like do stuff like kind of move out of the way, or, like open the door or like be a little bit more like receptive and helpful. I was like, oh okay, this isn't so bad. <laughs> this isn't <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of it just was the transition that was difficult initially. Um, now, I don't really notice at all, but you might get the odd child who like kind of speaks out and that's something I'm like completely fine with because kids are kids they just say they say what they say yeah and it comes from a place of innocence but you know I'll probably be walking past and I'll be like mom he's got one leg And <laughs> the parent it depends how they act they might be like well go and ask him what's like what happened and I'm I'm completely fine with that like I welcome that yeah. And then you get people and that's like the parents, like such a but, like pulling them along. But that's probably the I say the worst of it. But a lot of the time, people are quite you know accepting and accommodating and welcoming. And I think, especially in in the UK, I think since London 2012 and you know the the Paralympics being here and all the coverage that was on the media, I think that's helped definitely kind of change people's perception of disability and like now it's just, it's almost like the norm, essentially. So,
0: it's standing yeah, out happens sort of like in, in anything really, like just people sort of owning what they have and then going with that, I think that's become such a thing like in a-
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in a different, completely different space now.
0: So in terms of like, Obviously like we're both on, you've a pretty, pretty decent following. and you're inspiring a lot of people, you're motivating a lot of people. What is it that motivates you, and inspires you to do what you do, like staying in fitness and training all the people that you do and stuff like that?
1: Um, I guess now, I mean when I first got into the industry it was essentially to inspire and motivate disabled people to live a healthier life and you know. You work with many disabled people? Hmm? Do you actually, do you work with many disabled people? <laughs> no, no. I've had some input in my wheelchair basketball team, like I'll help some of the guys on the guys and girls on, on the team. But yeah, initially when I started, it was more about kind of inspiring other disabled people and showing them that, you know, there's no kind of barriers to living a healthy and more active life. But yeah, lo and behold, working in my gym, kind of that message, I guess resonated with people of all abilities and like none of my client base are disabled, like everyone's, you know, Non-disabled, um, able-bodied, depending on the term. So that kind of message has essentially reached wider audiences, and I kind of just had that way from when my audience was small, and you know it grew quite a bit between the years of 2017 and 2019. And yeah, people kind of saw what I was about and the way I lived my life and my kind of ethos and, and mindset and. Yeah, they hung around. Like I've lost a fair amount over the years too, but, you know, those that stick with me, those that engage with me often, I'd always try and, you know, do little bits where I can to help motivate people, inspire people and it took a little a while to, to understand that there was, I've got quite a sizable following and mm-hmm. kind of the way I conduct myself, things I say and do can positively, positively affect somebody, you know, wherever they are in the world and Again, that's been a bit of a shift, coming from being the kid who didn't want to stand out or be noticed, to now kind of actively putting myself out there because you know, essentially, can have a positive impact in yeah, was even just sure. like, the smallest thing or like just sharing something that's quite personal to me. Like that's the power of social media, like the, the good side.
0: <laughs> social
1: yeah. media,
0: spark so. welfare, sponsorships, and everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, like, you know, Maxi Muscle have come about, which which was great. Like, they're a great company to align with. Um, actually, when I was in GB doing wheelchair basketball, that was the first company that I ever was told about from the nutritionist that we had, just because the, all the products were screened for banned substances. So at that level, you can take stuff and not be worried that anything's dodgy in the ingredients. Yeah. So when they came and said, you know, we'd love to work with you, I was like, yeah, let's let's do it. Like... I've always had respect for the company, and there's been lots of opportunities that have come around just from the fact that I've got one leg. Like, just being blunt, like I've gone on Ninja Warrior, I've done various other things, and oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I did not know. That. <laughs> oh, there cool. is another another avenue somewhere else. Yeah, I did um I did Ninja Warrior in 2018.
0: That would be fucking unbelievable. I think like
1: that. I yeah, mean, I'll send you the link to the my run. Um, yeah, I didn't complete it, I fucking fell in the water and there's bodies <laughs> like big balls that you have to run across. Yeah. I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting across that. Can you like help me out here? Give me some pointers here. And they were like, ah just just hop and hope for the best. I'm like, cheers, thanks for that. Um so yeah, it was a lot of people again. I got quite a lot of traction and following from that just when it came on and you know, people found me on Facebook, on Instagram, and it was yeah, it was I mean again the all the compliments and the messages of support was was awesome um, like everyone at my gym like everyone was just so proud it, it was quite surreal to a point but definitely one of the scariest things I've ever done yeah I was a trainer like that um the tra- we had to go to a crossfit box in central London and just perform a few physical tests uh, so to do like a kind of bleep-ish test uh, we had to do like a, a broad jump, we had to like jump as far forward as you can to do a high jump and like touch a point on the wall, where to do a road climb, a balancing thing. It was all kind of stuff I was able to do. And I think again, you know, I'm the only guy with a disability in there, they're like, yeah, he's got to get through. So I got selected and shortlisted and went up to Manchester to do the filming. And yeah, the whole day was just, it was just nerve wracking. Like we are all kept in this green room. There's like 200 of us and they called out like 10 at a time and then we had to sit and watch on this big screen, everyone do their run. So you don't know when you're getting called out. Yeah. You've not seen the obstacles until the day. And everyone was just like sitting there, just like nervous. But we're all kind of encouraging each other because we're all in the same boat. And yeah, when I got called up, just waiting backstage, just hearing all the noise in the crowd, like I've never felt so sick, slash excited in my life. <laughs> and then when he called my name, I had to go up the stairs and then step at the top and there's like all the crowds and Yeah, just like hop down the stairs and was just yeah fully nervous, but you know in in hindsight it's definitely one of the best things I've done in terms of just really being out of my comfort zone. Did
0: you do that with a prosthetic leg or did you just
1: no? I had it off. Had it off.
0: What were you in crutches going across there?
1: No, just like hop, just free hopping everywhere. That's
0: impressive. (laughs) That's very impressive.
1: I'm gonna send you the link to it. I'm gonna send you the link to it. Yeah,
0: so in terms of right, obviously we've we've got over a lot of physical stuff and. I wanna get into like the mental side of things cause you're, I just love your like attitude and your mindset and stuff. What do you do in terms of improving that? Like what's like a daily practice
1: for you in terms of improving your mindset, improving your motivation and stuff? Um, so in the last three months, or well, since August, um, I've developed a daily routine and I've actually been just getting up earlier. Um, it's funny before that, I didn't know what I did. Like I don't know what I was doing before establishing a morning routine, but I wake up at five I'll then do like a yoga stretch type of sequence for about 15 minutes just to loosen up the body and just get into the correct kind of state of mind. And then I'll do some meditation, which I've got back on, I kind of started and then drifted off. But I now I kind of schedule the time for all these things. So I'll do some yoga, do some meditation. I'll then journal. So I'll sit down and write, you know, what my goals are for the day, kind of set my intentions for the day identify any potential things that could like piss me off and trigger me and think about how we can overcome these things. And then what do I do next do a bit of reading. And yeah, then I'll start the day generally about kind of six half six. My kids get up then. So if I've set any tasks for that point it's it's all just not gonna happen because they'll come running in the office and start bombarding things and <laughs> and all of that. So it's a case now of you know, reading's making a big kind of change in terms of, you know, just learning a little bit every day. Um, just like reading a lot more kind of personal development books and mindset books and stuff like that. But like journaling's also helped massively just to set priorities for the day and you just kind of know what you've got to do. Um, you know, list your little wins and successes of the day just to help kind of build confidence and yeah, it's it's I'm still working on it, like I'm not a finished product by all means, but we can always do a little bit more each day, just to improve our kind of self-perception and the way we think about ourselves, which is, I guess, been a battle of mine for the longest while since I can remember. And, you know, feeling like I'm not good enough or, you know, just kind of insignificant in a way. Yeah. And these are old habits that, you know, still linger and they rear their head every now and then. But I think since, you know, joining the course that we're both on and yeah. I've learned, you know, I've found some tools now, which I can use to kind of question those things. And, you know, is, is, is it true or is it just me? Is it my mind just coming up with some fabricated sense of reality in a sense? So yeah, she taught me to question things a lot more and I always want to try and be better for, you know, myself and my kids as well, my family, like that's now they're in the picture big driving force for me Mm -hmm.
0: so you're as well like you're you're a very busy man you're always active on social media and stuff you have a lot of clients you have a family and you're working from home i'd love to know how do you how do you juggle all that because you get a lot of people talking about like stress and like no time and stuff but you're you're Mm -hmm. probably one of the busiest people i know but you seem to still have that great relationship with your family you know still loads of work time still all that fitting and your own training as well
1: yeah that's just been purely down to scheduling and Journaling, and the thing is like i said I, I don't know how I operated prior to not journaling, and I did always want to you know you have your to- do list you got your like your whiteboard and stuff, and you kind of tick things off but I think in the last again like four months or so since August, I've just been a little bit more disciplined with like structuring stuff so i put I like, put my client sessions in my face to face clients at the gym I do like virtual zoom sessions with them, and then I've also got like these purely online Coaches, so, you know, lots of contact, but not an actual, like, Zoom. Yes, and stuff. Yeah, programming and stuff. So, I'll always schedule in the sessions, and then wherever blocks I've got, I'll put in my, kind of, key priorities for the day. Um, like, really, luckily, at the moment, my, my girlfriend, she got a new job a couple of weeks ago, which gives her key worker status So the girls are at school, which is a bit, it's a very blessed situation I'm in. I know, like, a lot of my clients, a lot of people I'm talking to, the kids are at home. They're having to juggle work, homeschooling, and yeah. just general parenting, which is a, like a massive stress. And you know, I've only had a small taste of what that's like. But now, um, yeah, I'm able to kind of serve my clients. Um, I've been more kind of rigid with time spent with the family as well. So I kind of schedule in times, you know, especially on the weekends, um, or do like a kind of dad and daughter date where I'll take them out, and something for us to look forward to. But when they're around, I'll always try and, you know, just be present with them. And there's never enough hours in the day. It always seems like there's just more stuff to do. But, you know, you, you find a, a way of, you know, balancing things out. Luckily, I don't have a kind of job where I'm still, actually, no, lie. I'm sometimes I work until like eight, nine, I'm at the laptop just before bed like just checking in with the clients, like the last kind of final messages for the day, or I'm prepping the next day's sessions and kind of sending out confirmation texts, but it's not like draining work. Whereas, you know, some people might be working in, I don't know, finance or something or law, and they're at their desk from like half eight till nine. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's been, last year was quite hard. Like lockdown one, that was probably the most testing mentally. Um, and in terms of like mindset, mood was quite low. I, you know, hit quite a low point, especially injuring my ankle as well. But now, like every lockdown that happens, I've said in a post recently that you you, you learn from each one. Like to mm-hmm. me, nothing's going to be as bad as the first one. The second one we had in November, like that one was, was a short one, so it was fine. But in my head, like nothing's as bad as the first one. So anything after yeah. that, you've got to learn, you've got to improve, you've got to find out what didn't work for you before. And... <laughs> I've definitely got a better kind of work life, family balance by lockdown three. Like if I was still kind of head, not headless, but you know, still kind of the same mindset as lockdown one, then I wouldn't have progressed or, you know, bettered myself in many years, wouldn't be cool. So yeah, like I am busy and I do want to try and find ways of working more efficiently, Um, you know, spending more time with the family. But yeah, that's that's what's to come. I have gotta streamline processes a little bit more. Yeah.
0: So in terms of this, the last sort of question on mindset, uh, motivation. So, like I said before, you know this motivational, inspirational character. What do you do? Because obviously you still get periods of day motivation. You know, you don't want to train, you don't want to do your work, you don't want to do certain things. How how do you cope with that? And what advice would you give
1: to someone listening that that needs that help? Um. Yeah, like I get asked quite often like how do you you know stay so motivated and how do you keep your motivation levels up No, like, you can't like it's it's not it's not hu- it's not human or well, it's it's not possible to stay motivated all the time yeah I think again just with socials like everyone's always giving their best on social so everyone always seems happy always always everyone always seems up for it and you know buzzing and, and ready to go but yeah you have days where you're very low very low, you your you know your drive's not there, your you've got not much juice in the tank. But you can't kind of sit in that scenario and kind of stay in that funk. You have to essentially pull yourself out and just do something that gets momentum going again. And I'm always kind of just aware of when I'm in a bit of a slump, um
0: kind of no that, Knowing that that's not gonna last forever, sort of like, I think yeah,
1: yeah, like it's just, it's just, Yeah, it's just temporary. It's not it's, you know, you just try your best to not let it compound and, you know, the kind of snowball effect where it gets worse and worse and worse. And one, again, another tool that, you know, we've learned on our course is that you just change your direction of thought into something that's a little bit more positive and find something that, you know, does lift your spirits or does make you happy or just even like, you know, playing some music or, you know, going for a walk or just thinking about how blessed we actually are you know and what kind of blessings in life we do actually have even though overall you know things are really challenging at the minute but yeah it's just kind of changing your thought process and again last year didn't have that kind of mindset and you know my alcohol consumption was way more than it was in in normal years I was eating a lot more kind of you know stress eating and just generally feeling low and then when i had done my ankle in that just made it even worse but now yeah a lot different now um just kind of focusing on especially people that are relying on me and people are depending on me and i can't be stuck in this kind of low place and and this funk essentially like i've got to pull myself out and no one's really gonna do it but me so i've got to you know kind of ask myself what am i working for who's relying on me and amazing. generally that will kind of just pull me out a little bit and I'll find my mojo. Some days, you know, energy's a bit lower than other days, but it's just a day, it's, you know, it's not like this is where I'm going to be at for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, absolutely that. So let's invite, what's next for you then? Is another another Ninja Warrior show, another?
1: Oh, I'd love to do one when they start, when they start yeah. casting again, yeah, and, and my ankle's like a little bit better, I'm definitely going to go for it again. Yeah, yeah. skydives once
0: there, huh? Skydive as well, was that one of your Yeah, thoughts? that was
1: one thing. Yeah, I mean, COVID depending, that was one of my goals for this quarter, just to do something that again scares the life out of me. Like, <laughs> for some reason, I feel more comfortable doing a skydive than a bungee jump. Like, a yeah. bungee jump, probably I would like swerve that until the end of my days. Just I don't know why I feel that's less safe than a skydive is, but that kind of fear of falling like I think that's always been a an underlying fear of mine so I'm like right conquer your fears face them head on but that all depends on on COVID so that's something I do want to do in terms of like business i um, you know I do my online one-to-one coaching so I'm you know coaching people through their situations um, remotely I do want to look at doing some group coaching as well um, just to essentially help more people without having to do kind of more one-to-one hours, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Scaling a little bit more, maybe do like an eight-week type of course, so that's something I've got to sit down and and think about. But yeah, in terms of what's next, I guess just thrive during the next 12 weeks and just try and help and inspire as many people as I can.
0: Isn't that for anyone that that is interested in coaching you? Who do you help? And if they're listening, how can they find out a bit more about you? How can they actually inquire about
1: working with you even? Um, you can go to my website There's tylersaunders.co.uk, um, Instagram, I'm Tyler Saunders, um, same for Facebook, but generally i you know, I don't have a niche market in terms of like an age or a, a gender or demographic to say I've helped men, women, young, old, this, you know, it's more of a case of if there's generally got low confidence in themselves or they don't really believe in themselves. They've generally come to me because they've seen how I've lived my life and how I've not let my situation kind of define who I am and and what I can do. So again, it's kind of just speaking to quite a broad range of people, you know, if motivation is low, if, you know, they're struggling with like self-belief and like limiting beliefs, then I'll do what I can to help them overcome those obstacles and ultimately be happier and healthier and be more confident.
0: Absolutely, amazing. Well, listen, thank you very much for coming on this night. It's been great having you on. Thank you for the time. Really appreciate it.
1: Mate, thanks for having me, man. And we'll have another cool, another year and see where we are then.
0: Exactly, man. Thank you. I'll speak to you soon.
1: All right, mate. Take care.